The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. <clears throat> I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, Namplange, I will hear from God's word, and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by... The Word of God. Uh, we're still talking about hearing the voice of God. And last week we established that the foundational way God speaks to us in this dispensation is primarily through His written Word. Amen? We read in Second Peter chapter number 1, verse 19, uh, that we have a more sure word of prophecy, which we will do well if we take heed. So what that means is we must... Uh, pay attention uh, to the written word of God. And when we do, the Bible says we will do well. Amen. And, uh, you know, the Lord has been speaking to me about uh, something, you know, in these past, uh, past few days. And the Holy Spirit began to talk to me and he said, uh, uh, Tafara, I'd like for you to exhort, encourage, and teach uh, my people uh, to move away from transactional Christianity to a relational Christianity. Amen. Uh, God does not want you uh, to move from one transaction to the other. In fact, Jesus did not come uh, to die uh, so that you could have transactions with God. Though transactions may flow out of that relationship, uh, Jesus didn't die so you could move from needing one breakthrough to another. Can I get an amen? Uh, Jesus didn't die uh, so that you could uh, uh, get another bumper sticker for your breakthrough. Jesus died so that you could be reconciled with the Father. Amen? I need you to re- realize and recognize that if there was no sin, if there was no poverty, if there was no sickness, uh, Jesus would have still come to die because he was not dying just so that you could be healed. He was dying so that he could restore you to having eternal life. That's what the Bible says in John 3, 16. He says when we put our confidence and when we believe on Jesus, we receive eternal life. And he says in John 17, verse 3, the definition of eternal life, he says this is eternal life, to know the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. So true eternal life has got nothing to do with prosperity, though prosperity flows out of it. It's got nothing to do with healing. Though healing flows out of it. So as you do your pursuing and your chasing, do not chase after prosperity. Don't chase after healing. Don't chase after miracles. Chase after a relationship. Because that's what Jesus did for. The relationship, your relationship with God is more important than anything else. Jesus came to restore you to your heavenly Father so that you could be a part of the family again. Amen? And, uh, you know, when he speaks to us now that we have a relationship, we discover that he speaks to us uh, with the quickening of the word in our hearts. And he also speaks to us 
uh, by the indwelling spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, God had to use external, you know, uh, things to communicate to uh, his people because the Bible calls them dead in their trespasses. If you read uh, Ephesians chapter number 2 onwards, it says these people were dead in their trespasses. In other words, they did not have spiritual perception. They did not have sensitivity to receive and heed to spiritual things. So God would have to resolve to a loud booming voice from heaven. You would have to resolve to a burning uh, a bush. You would have to resolve to earthquakes and all kinds of external things because they could only relate with God, watch this, primarily through their five senses. But you and I relate with God beyond our five senses. This is why we are encouraged in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 7, which says we do not walk by sight, we walk by faith. Amen? We walk by faith and not by sight. And that word sight is not talking about your eyes. He's saying we, do, we walk by faith and not by our physical or our five senses. Hallelujah. So you have to become accustomed to relating with God through the indwelling spirit. It just works to your advantage anyway. I think it's a really cool strategy from God. To not have to use a loud, booming voice. We're talking about hearing the voice of God, right? Think about it. You're in a meeting and you're in a fix. You're in the boardroom and you're expecting a loud boom. It's just going to freak everybody out. God is more strategic than that. What he did is he took his spirit, put him on the inside of you, so that when you need him, you can just tune in to the frequency and tap into what he's saying. Man, that's so cool. It means God can speak to you, watch this, all the time. That's why even the people in the Old Testament who heard a booming voice, who saw earthquakes, who saw uh, uh, burning bushes, the Bible says they looked forward to the day that you and I live in where the, the God of heaven would leave heaven in a spirit form and come and live on the inside of you. It says they longed for that day to where you can walk with God, to where he gives you a promise where he says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says they long, they look forward to that day. Amen? So God, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, He does not speak to us uh, through external things. He speaks to us through the indwelling Spirit. Amen? Even through the preaching of the Word, uh, the Bible says your spirit will bear witness to what's being said. So it's still coming through the channel of your spirit. Amen? We do not minister head to head. We minister spirit to spirit. Amen? I said amen. So God will speak to you through man. He will speak to you through preaching. He will speak through uh, prophecy. He will speak through word of knowledge, word of wisdom. He will speak to you through man. In fact, there was a story Jesus gave. There was a parable of uh, uh, Lazarus. You know, Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, It says uh, the rich man, you know, just forsook God when he was on the earth and lived for the pleasure of sin. And Lazarus was a beggar, you know, who would come to his house to try and get some help. And the rich man would just literally, you know, ignore him and just trash him. And when they finally got to heaven, I'm paraphrasing, when they got to heaven, the rich man uh, ended up in hell and Lazarus ended up in heaven. And uh, the rich man could see the guys in heaven and uh, the Lazarus and Father Abraham could see the rich man and they could talk to each other. So they started communicating and, um, you know, uh, uh, the rich man said to Father Abraham, why don't you let Lazarus dip his hand into water so he can come and at least give me a drop of water because, man, I'm burning up in here. And then this is what Father Abraham said. He said, there's a great uh, chasm, there's a great gulf between us such that we cannot come from here to get to where you are. 
And this is what the rich man said. He said, okay, you know, that's fine with me. But back, back, back home in the earth, I have about five brothers, all of them not saved. Would it be possible, Father Abraham, that you can send Lazarus back so that he can speak to them? At least if they see someone who's coming from the dead, they will believe that this place called hell exists. And now Father Abraham said to him, he said, man, uh, uh, we're not going to do that. We're not going to send Lazarus back to the earth. We already have prophets and uh, we already have uh, teachers of the word down there, the fivefold ministry gifts that the Lord Jesus Christ put in the church. He said these words. He said, if they cannot listen to the prophets and the teachers of the word that are in the earth, they will not listen even if we send someone from the dead. And that's powerful. He knew it. He said, listen, we already know. If they're not listening by the indwelling spirit, if they're not receiving that word and let the spirit quicken it in their hearts through the preaching and the prophecy and the ministry gifts of of God in the church, even if we send someone from the dead, they're still not going to believe him. I mean, people will say it's a put on. This guy wasn't really dead. He just fainted. I mean, people will find all kinds of excuses just not to listen to the person. Father Abraham already knew that, and he said, we're not going to do it. We're just not going to send anyone. So we know that you, you can receive uh, uh, instruction. You can receive guidance uh, through men inspired by the Holy Spirit. You can hear the voice of God through men, but it all goes back to your spirit bearing witness to what's being said. Can I get an amen? So God wants to speak to you through the indwelling spirit. Why? Primarily because God is pleased by faith. He wants you to walk by faith. Because guess what? If, if, if you don't get it by the ministration of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and you get it externally, you don't need faith for it. Can I get an amen? First <laughs> Corinthians 6.17 says, But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. What that means is when you're born again spirit... Became brand new, Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. The Holy Spirit came and indwelled that, and when He came and indwelled that, your spirit and the Holy Spirit became one. This is sometimes when God speaks to you, it sounds like you. In fact, the most part you're like, man, that's just me, or oh, it sounds like your voice. If you are a woman, you know, it sounds like a a lady's voice. If you're a man, it sounds like a dude. Amen? You're like, man, is this God really speaking to me? Yes, it is. Because he who is joined with God is one spirit with him. So he speaks to you through your faculties. And sometimes it sounds like you. So how do you distinguish whether it's God or it's just you? One word. L-O-V-E. If it's inspired by love, most probably it is God. But if it's inspired by self-centeredness and self-promotion and self-interest and all kinds of things people do just, you know, to try and draw attention to themselves and for self, it's most likely not God. It can't be God. Amen? I said amen. Let us go now to Psalm 34 verse 8. So you distinguish that by compassion. I like to call it the divine flow. Amen? When it's, when it's love, when you're uh, overwhelmed by God's kind of love on the inside of you, it is usually God instructing you uh, to do something. Amen? It says in Psalm 34, <coughs> verse uh, 8, is that the one that I want? I want the one Sarah read. Psalm 37, verse 4. Let's go to Psalm 37, verse 4. <coughs> It says in Psalm 37, verse 4, 
uh, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. One of the ways also God speaks to us is through our desires. Amen? God speaks to us through our desires. And the way he does it is he gives us the desires of our heart when we start delighting ourselves in him. So, for example, if you're faced with a mega decision to make, you know, some, some of you to quit a, a, your job and, uh, and start a business, for some of you to get married to someone, uh, for some of you it's to start a new project, for some of you it's to move countries and move a city, for some of you it's to uh, get into ministry and so on and so forth, uh, one of the ways you can tell it's really God is you do the first part of that verse. That's on your side of the ledger. The first part of that verse is to delight yourself in, also in the Lord. That's all you got to do. And that's, why, that's where all kinds of things come into play. Things like uh, fasting. You know, when you fast, you are delighting yourself in the Lord. In other words, you are stripping your heart of all the extra fat so that you can become sensitive to what God is saying. How many of you know that fasting is not for you to try and guilt trip God to give you something? Yeah. Fasting is not a work on God. Yeah. Fasting is a work on you. Amen. So that's why you don't fast for a job. You fast for your heart. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> this is why Jesus' disciples never fasted when he was in the earth. Because if they wanted to hear something, they didn't need their hearts to be sensitive. They could just go to Jesus and say, Jesus, how do you work this out? And so John the Baptist's disciples tripped at that. They really got, man, they went to Jesus. They said, how come your disciples don't fast? Because they thought it was a burden. Because they didn't understand why they were fasting. They were just doing it religiously. So they went to Jesus and complained, How come we fast but your disciples don't fast? They eat all the time. Chakalaka. They eat chakalaka with the bri flesh. Man, they're eating all the time. How come we get to fast? And Jesus says, as long as I'm around, they don't need to fast. You know why? Because they can ask me. But when Jesus left, if you read throughout the book of Acts, they were fasting all the time. Why? Because they are working on their hearts so that they can stay, watch this, in the right frequency to hear and be sensitive to hear what God is saying to them. So that's part of delighting yourself in the Lord. You get into praise and worship music. Sometimes you get around Christian people. It's a part of delighting yourself in the Lord. You get around church people and they start singing songs. In fact, this is what I see, you know, with most young people. When I was a youth pastor, this is what would happen. They would get into a relationship. That's not right. And then uh, because of that, their desires would change every time they come for praise and worship. Because remember, when you delight yourself in the Lord, the desires are not coming from your flesh. They're now coming from the Lord. So every time they would come into a place like this and they tap into, you know, praising God, delighting themselves in the Lord, the desire to be with that dude starts shrinking. So they would be left with one choice, either to start avoiding this place, that takes away my desire for that dude, or come over here and submit myself to the new desires that I'm getting from the Lord. And most of them would text me and say, Pastor, I can't be at church this this Friday night, I can't. You know, I just have lots of work to do. What they're trying to do is to just get into a place where they're not in that frequency. Because if you get into that frequency, you're going to hear it clearly. Don't move countries. <laughs> don't quit your job. So they don't want to be in that place. So they just start avoiding being in the frequency or being in the presence of God. Because when God starts giving you a desire, it will be different from, you know, what they may want. 
So how do you get God's desires? You start delighting yourself in the Lord. You start getting excited about the things of God. You start being around God, you know, fasting, reading the word, spending time with him, and he starts literally putting his desires into your heart. And your desires and his desires become one. And you draw on that through delighting yourself in the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. I remember a few years ago, you know, I had a desire to move uh, up north to go across the pond and relocate to uh, the States, to San Diego. And man, you know, every time I would pray about it, I had a check in my spirit. That desire would go away. But every time I would go on the internet and look at the pictures of San Diego, that desire would come back alive. <laughs> And ooh, every time I look at the, uh, the U.S. dollar run rate, ooh, that desire would get strong. But every time I spend some time with God, that desire would just go away. And I knew God didn't want me to move. And I believe if, even if I had moved, God would have still loved me because God's love is unconditional. We know that. And, and I would have still, you know, done what I'm supposed to do, but not to the level that I'm supposed to do. I probably wouldn't have been in the perfect will of God. And so for you to operate from a place of the perfect will of God, you need to move your heart to a place where you are in direct connection with heaven. Can I get an amen? Let's go now to Mark chapter number 4, verse 23 to 24. <clears throat> Is this helping you? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to read from verse uh, 23 to 24. Let's read it in the original King James, uh, Dr. Wed, if you can. Watch what it says in uh, verse 23. It says, if any who. Notice it didn't say women. <laughs> no, true story. My wife thinks I don't listen. She says something like that. She says you don't listen. I'm not sure what she says. <laughs> Please don't tell her. <laughs> if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. What that means is you may have ears not to hear. Amen? So you've got to tune in your ears to hear. Verse 24, and he said unto them, take heed what you hear, or pay attention uh, to what you're listening to you. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that you shall hear. So he is talking here when he says, you know, uh, uh, take heed what you hear. Uh, with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured unto you. He's saying, you know, just like uh, what Sarah was saying earlier on, that when you hear, hear with a mind to act on it. Hear with a mind to put it into practice. Can I get an amen? It's like a GPS system. When you set on your, on your, on your, on your phone that I want to go to uh, uh, Maslatini, you put it on your phone and it starts telling you when you get out of your gate, turn right. If you don't get out of your gate to turn right, you're not going to get further instruction. And the reason is simple. From God's perspective, the reason is not going to uh, uh, inundate you with further instructions is it just makes you more accountable and truth be told, it will just flat out confuse you. Can you imagine you want to go to Jamiston, to someone's house, and they give you the instructions all at once? You, know, you leave your house, you turn right, and you, and you are listening. Man, by the time you leave, what did you say? <laughs> So you get instructions step by step. That's why he is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And this light only illuminates that space or that area that you need to walk. Can I get an amen? amen. Uh, now, the second reason he does not give you all the instructions at once is because if you read in verse 17 of Mark chapter number 4, he says that the enemy comes uh, with persecutions and attacks for the sake of the word. So you could make an equation out of it. 
The less the words, the less the persecution. The little instruction, the less persecution. So he's trying to protect you. Not only does he want you to be, you know, overly overwhelmed by accountability, he's also trying to get you to a place where you can only receive what you can handle. Because he says, with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured uh, unto you. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's go now to Matthew chapter number 13, verse 15. And I'm racing against time. Matthew chapter number 13, verse 15. Thank you, Jesus. He says in Matthew chapter number 13, verse 15, talking about uh, the Pharisees and so on and so forth. He says, for these people's hearts as waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed. Lest, someone say lest. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes. Now watch what happened if their uh, ears were not uh, waxed gross and if their eyes were not dull of, their ears were not dull of hearing and their eyes were open. This is what would happen. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and they should understand in their hearts. So this is what happens when your eyes are not closed. In other words, when you have spiritual illumination. In fact, that's one of the apostle prayers, a prayer for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter number 1 from 18 onwards. He says, Lord, I pray that you may open their eyes to see. When your eyes are open to see and your ears are open to hear, you receive understanding. And what happens when you receive understanding? You are converted. What's that? You are transformed. Amen? Amen. Into another being. And what happens? You should be healed. You receive your healing. He says, I should heal them. So how do you receive the promises of God? You could use this same formula for every other promises of God. Uh, Their ears are open to hear. Their eyes are open to see. Their hearts open to understand. And they are transformed that I should prosper them. That I should give them peace. that That I should advance them. But it starts off with your heart or your ears, not, your heart not being waxed gross. What he's talking about there is borrowing from a, a candle making, you know, an ancient candle making a process. What they would do is they would uh, get a string and then they would dip that string into hot wax. And as they pull it up, there are layers of wax that would start forming on that uh, string. And by the time they've done it several times, they have a, a big old candle on that string. So he's saying here, if your heart is wax cold, what you have done is you've entertained things that have uh, put calluses on your heart. In fact, if you read another version of the Bible, it says calluses. I don't know what that is in Zulu. I think it's a good word. But in Shona, it's morning. You know, when you do so many press-ups with your knuckles, that there's no longer sensitivity on your knuckles. He's saying that the the calluses are on your heart. And it comes through a a, a repeated violation of your conscience. For example, for example. Two weeks ago, you know, I realized that uh, I was going to be in South Africa a lot longer than, you know, we anticipated. So I needed to convert my driver's license from Zimbabwe to South Africa because I'm going to be here a long time. And so when I went there, you know, I thought I was just going to end in my old driver's license with the paperwork. And then they give me a brand new license. Praise the Lord. And then after I handed in all the paperwork, and they, you know, they didn't tell me all the paperwork all at once. I mean, someone needs to just print that thing and put it on Google. 
instead of telling you one thing at a time. Oh, yeah, but the birth certificate is wrong. And then you come back with the birth Oh, but the proof of res is not three months old. But this one needs to be certified. You could have told me all of that at once. But anyway, uh, I, I found out that I had, when I had submitted everything that I needed to do a drive test. You know, drive test, parallel parking, early docking, yeah. five-point check, all that stuff. I've been driving for 19 years. I don't know how to drive. <laughs> so uh, they said, man, next Friday. So I had to find a driving school. So I went to the driving school. I said, man, I need to learn how to drive. They said, okay, we're going to teach you how to drive. And then as I was learning how to drive, the guy said to me, Baba, you're going to have to pay, Baba. I said, pay what? He said, man, you're going to have to pay bribe. I said, no, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I don't do bribes, so, you know, I'm going to have to either get it that way or not get it. You know, that's just what it is. And why did I take such a a strong stance around such a small thing like that? Because none of you would have found out. (laughs) So why am I so strong and taking a strong position against that? Because of my heart. I don't want to put an extra layer of calluses on my... I'm not doing it for you. Listen, I'm not living right for you. You are the least of my worries. I'm living right for the heart because I have an instruction to guard my heart, watch this, with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flows the issues of life or the course of my life is directly determined in my heart. I told him, no, I'm just not going to do it. And he said, Baba, you're going to have to do it. So, I mean, he kept pushing and I realized, you know what? This guy is pushing so hard. Let me just tell him I'm a pastor. This is going to, you know, send him away for good. I told him, I said, in fact, I'm not just a Christian. I'm a pastor. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) And he said to me, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I do it for pastors all the time. (laughs) And pastors' kids. (laughs) I said, man, this is bad. (laughs) This guy won't go away. So, you know, I went in and I told him, man, I'm just not going to do it. I'm a light. I'm going to shine darkness into this place. How many of you know that God has sent us into a dark place, into the world to shine the light? So I don't participate if it violates my heart. Why? Because I just want to keep my heart sensitive. I'm doing it for me. So I went in and praised the Lord. Man, I could feel the Holy Ghost in that place. I knew God wanted to show off through me. I went and man, I drove that thing. I mean, she gave me what? A 92%. She could have given me 100%. Because I didn't mess it up. The traffic lights were cooperating. Everything was cooperating. Because, I mean, the guy had told me, if you went through the traffic light and it, cha- it tends to amber while you are in the no man's land, man, you are out. <laughs> And I'm telling you, as I was driving, the traffic lights are cooperating. They're moving from amber to green, not to red. (laughs) I mean, this thing is working. What happened? God was cooperating. God was working with me because I took a stance. And what that does is it keeps your heart sensitive. So God does not have, he's not going to change the way he treats you. He's not going to change. He's not even going to stop the frequency from broadcasting just because you sinned. But just like the old radio, when you sin and you entertain, you know, things that violate your conscience, you are moving the dial away from 94.2 or Hot 97 or whatever station you listen to. So when you violate uh, your, your own conscience, remember the Bible says if our own conscience does not condemn us, we are not condemned. Amen? So you're moving away from the frequency, but when you fast, fasting is moving you back into frequency. That's all it is. It is moving your heart to a place where you become uh, sensitive again. When you are someone who is easily offended, 
In fact, let me show you something. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter number 3, uh, verse 7. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse 7. It says, Likewise, uh, ye husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. He's not saying your wife is a weaker vessel, but he's saying treat her like she's fragile. You know, the way you treat your nice crystal balls at home? He's saying treat her like that, like a diamond, like she's fragile. Don't be rough, you know, just roughing, roughing things. (laughs) You must treat her with honor. Amen. Amen. Open doors for her. Let her go first in places. And then all the ladies say, Hallelujah! I'm preaching better than you're receiving, man. He says, treat her uh, with honor as a weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, so that you can put an S-O between life and that, just so you understand what he's saying, that your prayers may not be hindered. Amen. He's not saying so that God may not answer your prayer. He's not saying so that uh, you can present your, your grocery list before God with a clear line. Prayer is way more than that. He's saying so that you can have a continuous communication and fellowship from God. That is not hindered. Did you get that? Why? Because strive hinders your heart from receiving. Offense hinders your heart from receiving. Bitterness and unforgiveness hinders your heart from receiving. Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. In fact, I was in Durban last year with Pastor Dan's. It was a pastor's conference, pastor's retreat. About 15 of us were there, uh, pastors with their, with their wives. Me, uh, I, didn't, I couldn't go with my wife, so I ended up going with Pastor Dan's. And uh, we just went to attend this uh, meeting in a little nice resort. And as the pastors were fellowshipping uh, before the meeting started, you know, we were just fellowshipping and talking and so on and so forth. And this woman came and outright offended me. She was a pastor's wife. She came and, man, she knocked me. If I told you what she said to me, some of you would walk out of this place with offense. You would be so angry for me. I looked at Pastor Dan, and I just looked at him and smiled, and then he said, hey, PT, what was that about? <laughs> and then I felt, the, I felt the anger rise up on the inside of me. I felt the gangster rise up on the inside of me. Man, I felt the track go with it. Y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. Y'all gonna make me go all out up in here. I felt the gangster rise up on the inside of me. And immediately, the Holy Spirit reminded me. He said, Tafara, the definition of the word offense in the Greek is scandalon, but the definition of that literally means the bait of Satan. So whenever you, you, you are offered an opportunity to be offended, it's literally like a man who goes out fishing and they've put a bait on it, they literally want to cripple you and take you out of that place of destiny, you know, just like we do with the fish, take it out of that place of destiny, which is the water, and what happens when you take it out of the water? That thing can't breathe. And ultimately, their destiny just literally collapses and it dies. And that's what the enemy is doing. And some of you feel justified. Because guess what? The enemy loves it when you start operating in the realm of emotions. Oh, man, there's like a party in hell when you're just an emotional person. (laughs) Just an emotional person, just ready to be offended. Just operating from a place like that? Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. Man, today I feel like a rapper. (laughs) 
You remember that song? Yeah. The guy was saying, don't push me. I'm already on my edge. And there's some people who live that way. They're driving from home. They are already on their edge. Some minor little thing happens in traffic. It ruffles up their entire life. And then they have the right to be offended. And some do it in marriage. That's why he starts, you know, at the place of marriage. Because that's the place you need to start practicing uh, true humility. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> that's the place you don't need to be offended quickly. Amen? Because when you do, you're actually putting yourself at a disadvantage. So she said that to me. And as the gangster was rising up, y'all going to make me lose my mind. I've been here and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It changed. Oh, give me the glory. You know, I was just, oh, man, I'm just worshiping, but it's hard. And what happened was I forgave her immediately. I didn't carry any bitterness. I didn't carry, it was a, it was a, it's a process, but I didn't carry any bitterness. I didn't carry any strife. I worked on my heart because I knew it was something happening. Remember what Jesus said about offerings? I mean, he said even before you give an offering, because he wants you to receive from your offering. He says, even before you give an offering, if you have someone that you have beef with, that's what they say, you know, these days, if you have someone that you, 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 you are an offense with, put your offering down at the altar. The reason he said leave the offering at the altar is because he doesn't want you to change your mind on your journeys. <laughs> you know what? I may as well buy something nice with this money. No, he says leave it at the altar. Go and ask for forgiveness, and then when you have a clear conscience, and when you have a heart to receive, because everything we're going to receive from God has to come by the channel of the heart. Amen. Amen? Amen? He says when you have a clear heart, and when you're ready, come and get the offering, and give it to God, and go your merry way. That's what he said, merry way. Go your mer- you can go dancing. The only way you can go dancing is when you're not living in a place of bitterness. When you're not living in a place of offense. When you're not living in a place of unforgiveness. When you're not living in a place where you're just ready to get angry. Amen? You need to, and it's a decision that you need to make. That I'm not going to let all kinds of stuff, all kinds of garbage, I would call it, violate my conscience. Because trust me, brothers and sisters, these things violate your conscience. They do something to your heart. And sometimes you have a point. Sometimes they really hurt you. Sometimes there is justification. But Jesus gave us the cure for it. He says we must give 70 times 7. What he's saying is, he's not saying you should keep track until you get to 490. Yeah, 135. (laughs) What he's saying. He's saying you must forgive so much so that it's infinite. Your forgiveness is unending. Amen. Amen? You're just a person who lives in a place of forgiveness. What are you doing? You're working on your heart to keep your heart sensitive to hear from God's voice. Brothers and sisters, I came to tell you that our God is a speaking God. Our God is speaking all the time. I heard someone say on TV yesterday, which is not true, they said we need to pray for God to speak. No, you don't. God is always speaking. You see, when you get to 94.7, that's not the time they started broadcasting. They have been broadcasting way before you bought a radio. 
It's the same thing with God. Just because you only started learning how to hear today does not mean God started speaking today. God has been dishing out instructions. God has been speaking to you, speaking to your heart for all these years. All you now have to do is to start fine-tuning your heart so that you can be in a place where you begin to receive the frequency. God is speaking. God wants you to hear from him. In fact, in prayer, you should be doing more listening than you do talking. So just sit there and listen to what God has to say. And as you do that, I'm telling you, you're going to come back and say, Pastor T, I can hear God clearly. I can hear God clearly. I can hear him in sermons. I can hear him in prophecies. I can hear him in words of wisdom. I can hear him in words of uh, knowledge. I can hear God when I read the Bible. I can hear God just speaking to me through. Do you know God speaks to us through nature? I mean, he speaks to me all kinds of ways. He speaks to me through life circumstances. He speaks to me, uh, just like Sarah read earlier on, he speaks to us through the Old Testament saints. Man, you can read the story of Abraham and God will speak directly to you about stuff that's happening in your life in 2019. And God is speaking. Did that help you? Let's go to Matthew chapter number 14. Verse 22. No, we're out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. We'll read that next week. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that we have hearts to hear. Someone shout, I have a heart to hear. I have eyes to see. And my ears, the ears of my heart, are attentive to God's instructions. God lives on the inside of me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He speaks to me. All of the time. And my heart is ready to hear and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the ways you can get yourself on the path of hearing, brothers and sisters, is to hear with an ear ready to obey. Ready to act on it. Ready to run. If God says, that person, lay hands on them and pray for them. You must hear that instruction with a readiness to obey without considering the alternatives. What if nothing happens? What if they die? What if, what if, what if, what if? You should just be ready to do what God is saying. Amen? When he said to Peter, that's the story we were about to read, come from the boat. Peter didn't consider all of the stuff. All the extra stuff. He just got out of the boat and watched this, started walking. He only started considering the other stuff halfway through the journey. If he hadn't, he would have walked all the way to the shores. It's the same thing. When God speaks, be ready to act on it, ready to walk, and he will see you through. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. Have an awesome spring day, weekend, and we'll see you next week. Remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. 
To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.